This is Lesson Five: The Power of Our Words, and my name is Carly Terridas. I'm super excited to share this with you today because it's something that I really—it really fascinates me, actually. The power of our words. You know, when I was a little girl, the, the, there was always pl- um, playground, schoolyard bullies. You maybe you had a similar experience, and and I'm not very tall. I'm only five foot, and so the bullies would try and pick on me. And uh, one thing I realized was you could get in a scrap with playground bullies, or you could use words. And words actually seem to have more power and more effect than even just scrap a physical scrapping. And so, really, really soon, as a as a young girl, um, I realized that even though what I didn't I didn't have too much in the area of stature, I could make up with power with my words. And so, words have been something that have been really powerful in my life. Many of you will probably remember if you've had a, a positive coach or somebody that's been a source of, of constant encouragement in your life and has spoken things into. You, you may remember those words that they've really taken them and you've, you've put them into your heart and they've maybe even affected the course of your life. Likewise, if somebody's given you a word of prophecy, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge and you've taken that and you've meditated on, upon that and you've seen it come to pass, you've seen and experienced the power of some positive words in your life. Many of us, unfortunately, will, will also be able to relate to the power of negative words in our life. Just like words can be positive, words can be very damaging. They can be very negative words we can carry through with us in, from, ch- from childhood all the way into adulthood. You know, there used to be a saying when I was a, a child that sticks and stones would break your bones, but words could never hurt you. You know, I, that, that turned out not to be true. It's a, it's a bunch of crock. It really is. Because the things that I remember from my childhood the most are the words that people spoke to me. You know, even the world that we live in today understands the power of words. That's why marketers seem to be everywhere. I could ask you a question. I could show you a symbol, you know, on a whiteboard, a, a common logo, and you could probably tell me what the company's slogan is. Even without words, you could just respond to it. Words are so powerful because they move us at heart level. You know, we've, we've talked about this in previous sessions, but faith comes by hearing. Amen. And that's Romans um, 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing. The faith to receive healing or anything that God has for us comes through hearing. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So not only do we need to, to be, be listening and careful what words come out of our mouth, we need to be listening and careful what words that we're listening to and going into our mind as well. We need to make sure that we are stocked up on the word of God, that we are hearing the whole gospel and that we are meditating on it because out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth's going to speak. So if the world can understand that words are powerful, then maybe we can find these these truths in the word of God. Amen. Well, actually, there's, there's many things in the word of God where it talks about the power of our words. I'm going to jump right in here. This is in Proverbs. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Well, James talks about the tongue as being a rudder, a small rudder on a ship. You think about it, that little bit of wood or metal is, is very small in comparison to the size of the ship. But that small rudder, that small tongue is powerful enough to change the course of direction of that entire boat. That's how powerful the tongue is. And with it, We have the power to to, um, tear down or to build up. You know, our tongue is a powerful weapon when it comes to the enemy. God has put his word in our mouth, and when it's spoken out, we can use it against the the lies of the enemy. 
So let's look at this a minute. We're going to look at some scripture here today, because I don't want you to just take my word for it. I want to show you show you this in the Word of God. Amen. So we're gonna we're gonna jump we're gonna jump right into Mark four. Mark four. I just mentioned something. There's probably a wrinkle in, in someone's brain. Okay, but this is this is the parable of the sower. Now this is really important because we'll start to see how Jesus Himself sowed the Word of God. We're not just talking about the words that are in the world and the words that people say to us, but this is the word of God, amen? The power to set us free, the power for us to, to bring healing to, to our physical bodies. So it says here, this is the parable of the sower from Mark 4. Again, I'm just, I'm just going to jump right in here. It's also mentioned in Luke 8 and, and Matthew 13 as well. He began to teach by the seaside. A large crowd was gathered before him. They entered a boat that was sat by the sea. The whole crowd was by the sea on the land and taught them many things in parables. And so he said to them in this teaching, listen, take note. A sower went out to sow. And he sowed. As he sowed, some seed fell beside the path and the birds came and devoured it. And some seed fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil. And soon it began to spring up because it didn't have deep soil in verse 6. But when the sun rose, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Whereas other seeds, they fell by the thorns. The thorns grew up and it choked the word of God and it yielded no grain. And other seed fell on good ground and it yielded grain and sprang up and it increased by 30, 60 or 100 times as much. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, this is really important because Jesus goes on later in the chapter to explain what this parable really means. That the word of the God is the, is the seed that is being sown. And he goes on and he says, if you don't understand this, basically, you're going you're gonna to struggle to understand all the other parables. He says in verse 14 of Mark 4, the sower sows the word of God. So Jesus is talking about himself, sowing the word of God. And these are those beside the path where the word of God is sown. When they hear the word, listen to this, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that is sown in their hearts. Sometimes we think that the enemy is just picking on us because he's, you know, he's mean. Well, he is mean, but he's indiscriminate. He's not really after you. He's after the word of God that's been implanted in you. Because he understands, even Satan understands the power of God's spoken word. Now, he can't stop us receiving the word of God, but he can do, it will do everything in his power to distract us from putting, mixing it with faith and for it to bear fruit in our life. He's terrified that you might just take the word of God and believe it. Amen? So let's go on down here. It says, immediately, when Satan comes immediately and, and takes away the word that is sown in their heart, verse 16, others likewise are seeds sown on rocky ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves and so endure for a time. But afterwards, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, you know, persecution and affliction, they come again to steal the word from us, to try and distract us. You could say that sickness and disease is a persecution, it's an affliction, and it's coming to test whether the word of God is more real to you or whether your flesh is. Look at this. It says, afterwards, when an affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they fall away. And others are seed sown among the thorns. They're the ones that hear the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it, pro and it proves itself unfruitful. So we can be in church. We can be hearing a great message, a, a power-filled message. But if we get distracted 
by the cares of this world, the lust for other things, it says, desires for other things, or just, just, just simply busy, just distracted by our tummy rumbling, whatever it is, the word can be stolen from us. Man, that's, a, that's powerful. You see, the enemy is coming to steal the word, the word from you because he doesn't want it to become fruitful in you. Verse 20 says, Still others are seed sown on good ground, and these are those who hear the word and receive it and bear fruit, 30, 60, or 100 times as much. So the words that we, that we listen to are extremely powerful. They're extremely powerful, and that's why the enemy wants so, so, tries so desperately to get us off track. He will fight you to, to, for the word of God not to work in your life. So once we, once we understand that, then it gives us something to stand against. You know, um, Jesus actually rebuked the enemy with a word. He rebuked the enemy with a word. Let's look at this in, um, in Matthew's gospel. Clicking on across here. In Matthew chapter chapter 4. Now, this is really interesting. This is the temptation of Jesus. You know, Jesus was taken um, from the, he said here, he was led up into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil and had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and so he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones be turned into bread. But look at how Jesus rebuked the enemy. This is, this is Satan himself staring Jesus in the face. And look at his response in verse 4. He asked him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Satan rebuked, uh, Jesus rebuked Satan with the word of God. And he goes on, and there's several other times here in verse 7, it says, he rebukes him again. And he says to him, it is also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And it says in verse 10, Jesus said to him, get away from here, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and only him shall you serve. So there's three times there when, if, when faced with temptation, when faced with literally with the enemy, Jesus turns to the word of God to rebuke the enemy. Now you might think, well, that's, that's awesome, but that, you know, he was Jesus, right? Well, no, because you see, the word of God, words are so powerful this is how the Lord created the earth in the first place. Just think about this for a minute. I think it's in, in um, well, let's look it up. It's in Hebrews 11, verse 3. By faith, we understand that the universe, the whole world, was framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made out of things which are visible. God created the, very, the, the world itself using his words. He says, let there, let there be, let there be light, let there be land, let there be days and nights. He created work, the world with his words. Word, words spoken out of our mouth have a creative power. You need to think about this for a, for a moment. When Jesus was born, he himself fulfilled many words, many, many hundreds of prophecies that were spoken before, just by being born. He, he fulfilled those words. But Jesus himself had to be spoken into creation. You know, God just didn't kind of just pick a few things together and throw them and, and mold him out of clay and make Jesus. No, he spoke Jesus into being. And Jesus' birth was the fulfillment of many, many prophecies, many words that were spoken. Such is the power of, of, of words in our life that God created it, it. God used it to create the world itself. You know, in, in Hebrews 4, 14, it says this. 
says this is a, since then we have a high a great high priest who has passed into the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to our confession you know this interests me but it says let's let's hold firmly to our confession you know the word confession and profession are used interchangeably in the scriptures and it means simply this to say the same as he says hold firmly to your confession what, 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 what confession are we making? What should we be saying? Who should we be replicating? What should we be saying that's the same as somebody? Well, we need to be speaking into our life, our confession about our situations. Man, it needs to be the same as what God confesses about our situations. And that's powerful. You know, in, in Psalms, it says, he sent his word and healed you. And so if we were to apply this to healing, we could put it like this. Well, the word of God spoken out of our mouth is powerful. Therefore, I'm going to start speaking over my body what Jesus says about my body. I'm going to start speaking a blessing because you remember life and death are in the power of the tongue. That means I'm going to start speaking blessings over my situation. Now, in the realm of healing, one of our temptations sometimes is to confess, and you, if you've hung out in a, in a doctor's waiting room, you know, you'll find that people start talking to each other, and, and they'll start telling you their medical history, having just met you for five minutes. It's a strange phenomenon that happens, okay? But people start opening up, and they'll tell you their whole medical history, how bad it was, how many surgeries they had, how many different medications they have to take, and it almost becomes like a rehearse, like, like they're, they're rehearsing all of the drama, all of the trauma, all of the things that they've been through. But sometimes we don't realize that we have power in our words. And while those things may have happened and they may be true, the speaking those things out, our body is listening to us. Just like the world itself was created by the power of words, when words are spoken out of our mouth, they're powerful. We need to be careful what things are coming out of our mouth. You know, uh, when I was um, pregnant, um, I, was in, I tended to have hard pregnancies, didn't really know much about the, the realm of faith at, at that point. But um, we had a report about our third child, and Hannah, and the doctors, I was 30 weeks pregnant, the doctors sent me for a scan, and I'd had many seizures, I had epilepsy at that point. I think I've shared my testimony, had been healed from epilepsy previously. Um, but at the time, I still had epilepsy, and I was taking 13 different medications a day, and I was what they called a high-risk pregnancy. And so they would scan the baby every week, and this time I went in, I was, I was 30 weeks pregnant, and they said, you need to go to this specialist hospital in London, the children's hospital there, um, because of all the complications with the pregnancy. So we went up there, and they, they scanned the baby, and then they took us into this, this side room, and they, they, they explained to us that half of her brain was missing and her fingers and her toes were growing sideways across her hands. That they didn't think that this was going to be a viable pregnancy. Bearing in mind, I'm out here pregnant, 30 weeks pregnant at the time. And they stopped at that point from, call, from calling Hannah a baby. And they looked us in the eyes in this little room and they said, what do you want to do about your pregnancy? And something on the inside of me just rose up when those words were delivered to me. First of all, I was mad that they had stopped calling her a baby and were now just calling her a pregnancy, like she'd already ceased, ceased to exist. This was a child that God had spoken into creation, that he had knitted together so carefully in my womb that had a call of God on her life. 
Hannah was going to be the fulfillment of many words that had been spoken by God. And something, there was an anger, there was a righteous indignation that rose up on the inside of me. And so when it says that Jesus rebuked Satan with the word of God, man, that's what came out of my mouth. And I just said, I'm going to have my baby. And you know, we went home from there. And one of the things I've learned with words is what we don't say is almost as powerful as what we do say. What we don't say is almost as powerful as what we do say. And so in the car on the way home, Ashley and I were talking and we decided that that if, if God had knitted Hannah together in my womb, which he had, if God had called Hannah, which he had, if he, if he really had a plan for Hannah's life, which he did, then if she was broken, he could fix her. Now, we didn't understand anything about healing at the time. We'd never really seen anyone healed. I was still dealing with physical challenges in my body. But we just settled it down and we spoke it out of our mouth. If she's broken, then God can fix her. And what we didn't say after that was any of that doctor's report that they had delivered to us. We didn't tell our family, we didn't tell our friends, we didn't tell our pastor, we didn't talk about it amongst ourselves. We just settled it right there in that moment because we knew that the word of God was more powerful than any doctor's report. And so we went home and we carried on with the pregnancy. And when Hannah was delivered, she was delivered perfectly healthy. She had all of her brain was there. All of her organs were intact and all of her limbs were straightened up. There was no deformities anywhere in her body. And you know, that, that, that just really spoke to me because I knew in that moment, and now I didn't know a lot about a lot. I wasn't a great woman of faith and power. I don't think I'd ever read the Bible all the way through. But let me tell you, I just knew that if she was broken, simple faith said, if God has the blueprint for your life and you're broken, then he can fix what's broken. And so we, we spoke those words and we clung onto them. Now, there were times when that doctor's report would come back into my remembrance but I knew that I should not speak that out of, um, out of my mouth. Let's look at this in the scripture a little bit, okay? Our words are super powerful. And you might think, well, it's okay if, if, if Jesus said it, but what about me? Let's look at this a second. Because God's word in our, in our mouth is just as powerful as if we'd spoken it, he'd spoken it himself. Look at this. This is Isaiah 51 and verse 16. It says, I, this is God speaking. He says, I have put my words in your mouth and I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I might plant the heavens and lay the foundations of earth and say to Zion, you are my people. God's saying to you today, I've put my words in your mouth. I've put my words in your mouth. We need to be responsible for our words and understand that when we speak the word of God out of our mouth, it's just as powerful to create or to destroy as if God himself had said it. Look at this in Isaiah 55. In verse 11, this is God speaking again. He says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish that for which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. God has put his word in your mouth that you might speak it out. And through your spoke, the spoken words of God coming out of your mouth, he'll use it to bring peace to bring joy, to accomplish and to prosper the things for which he sent it. God's word spoken out of our mouth doesn't return void. It goes immediately to work in the area in which we deployed it. Man, this is so powerful. When we really understand the word of God and the power of the word of God that's in us, 
Man, we're going to start speaking it over our situation a whole lot more. And maybe we'll be a little quieter about the negative thoughts. You know, you can't stop those negative thoughts coming to you. It says in, in, in Matthew 4, we just read that, that Satan came to tempt Jesus. And yet he was tempted in every way and did not sin. That doesn't mean that when the devil came to him and he said, you know, why don't you worship me? I'll give you all this power. I'll give you all this authority. Why don't you, why don't you bow down? Why don't you turn these, these stones into bread? Remember, Jesus in that moment was in, still in the flesh. He was hungry. He had been starving for 40 days and 40 nights. He wanted to eat bread, right? And so Satan came to tempt him with a way out that he could have considered. And he picked things in his flesh that were a natural weakness. And the enemy will come and tempt us in the realm of our flesh, oftentimes in the, in the ways of sickness and disease, because he knows that our flesh is a weakness. In the same way that he tempted Jesus while he was in the flesh, he'll tempt us while we're in the flesh. But like Jesus, when we understand that God puts his words in our mouth, and the power that those contain when we deliver them, man, we can get on board with the word of God about our situation and we can see miraculous power delivered. You know, if I had received the, 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 the doctor's report that he'd spoken to us about the deformities in Hannah's body and carried out with, with ending the pregnancy, we would have missed out on, on, on our daughter being born. Her life would never have existed in this world and all of the people that she's blessed and all the lives that she's touched. And she's only a teenager. God has a call on her life, but we could have shipwrecked it by getting more in tune with the words of, of a doctor's report than we, than we did by getting in tune with the good report. Amen? We can cha literally change the trajectory of our life simply with our words. This is how powerful they are. Let's look at this a second. This is in Joshua. Look at Joshua. Uh, 1 verse 8. I love this. Joshua is a man of war. He's always fighting. He's always... He's always scrapping, okay? He's always going to battle. He's super brave. But look at this. In Joshua 1 verse 8, it says, the book of the, this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Don't let it leave your mouth, he was saying. But you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all according to all that is written in it. Everything that's written in this book, this book, the Bible, is going to come to pass in our life when we refuse to let it leave our mouth. That is powerful. He said, for then, in other words, as a result of doing these things, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, I started to study this out a little bit. And the, word, the words that they use in here are unusual, mouth and meditate. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. The word mouth, it means to speak it as in a commandment. To speak the word of God as in a commandment. That doesn't mean saying please and thank you, right? That doesn't even necessarily mean being polite. We need to be speaking the word of God with boldness because the power of it is released. The word meditate, remember it said this, it says, but you shall meditate in it day and night. What does that mean? Meditating in the word of God. Do we need, do we need to sit cross-legged on the floor in a, in a hmm, lotus position? No, it doesn't mean that. The word meditate, it means to speak it, to study it, to utter it, or roar it like a lion. Roar it like a lion. Man, we need to be speaking the word of God and roaring it like a lion. Speaking it, declaring everything that's in it over our lives. 
And situations start to change. Just how we spoke things over Hannah, her situation started to change. This is, this is so powerful. I, I, can't, I can't reiterate it enough, but we need to be speaking to our mountain. No, this is a this is a famous passage here. You'll be familiar with this. This is Mark eleven, and I think sometimes people don't don't use their words as much as they could because they don't realize the power that's in it. But I want to show you some things that are interesting in here. This is the lesson of the fig tree, and it's also mentioned in uh, in Matthew 20, chapter twenty one. Okay, it says in the morning as they passed by, they saw a fig tree withered up from the roots. Now we're just going to stop right here, okay? Because this is a fig tree that Jesus had cursed. He said, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered up from the roots. Jesus in verse 14, Mark 11 verse 14, the day before it says, Jesus said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from, fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. You see, that's an example. Jesus was using the power of his words to curse a fake fig tree. He couldn't tolerate fruits. You know, that's, that's the thing with the enemy. He might be real, but his weapons are fake. He's a fraud. He's a deceiver. And Jesus couldn't better be around deception. And so he cursed the fig tree. His disciples heard him curse it. Remember? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So the next day in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree withered up from the roots. But if you look at this in Matthew's account, Matthew 21, there's a slightly different account here that's interesting to point out. Matthew 21 verse 18, he says, now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he became hungry. When he saw a fig tree by the road, he went to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And he said to it, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. So here we have it in Matthew's account. It says immediately the fig tree withered away. And in Mark's account, it looks almost contradictory. It says in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree had withered away from the roots. So whose account is true? Whose account should we believe? And this is important. You might think, why are we talking about fig trees, Carly? Because it's an important example. You see, Jesus was giving his disciples an example right here in this moment of the power of words. Jesus spoke a word, life and death, in the power of the tongue. He spoke death to that fig tree. And in one account, he says the results of those words were instantaneous. And in another account, there was a period of time. And this is something that trips people up often when they find out that they have power in their words and they start delivering them and then they see nothing happen. And then they get disappointed because they don't see an instantaneous result. So which account, is it Mark's or is it Matthew's, that you think is the most accurate? Maybe we should have a vote. No, actually, both of them are entirely accurate. The Bible does not contradict itself. We just need to read into it more sometimes. See, both accounts were real because immediately that Jesus spoke the word, power left his mouth in the form of words and went to have an effect on the very thing that he sent it. Remember Isaiah 55, God's word doesn't return void. So those words left Jesus' mouth like containers, like vessels of power and immediately attached themselves to the fig tree. Now, where did they attach themselves to the fig tree? At the roots. So even though Jesus released power in his words immediately, it took a period of time for us to see the effects of those words because the word was having an effect on an area that was below the ground. It was attaching itself to the roots first. It says the fig tree withered up from the roots. Now, what does this mean to us? This is important 
Because it means like Jesus' example, we too can release faith and power through our words. And immediately, those words will have an effect. But just like with the fig tree, sometimes there is a period of time before we see the effects of those words manifest in our natural world. Manifest on the outside of our body, maybe. Sometimes I'm, I'm asked to, to, to pray for people, and I'm praying for people that have, you know, like an internal disease, an internal problem that's going on, and we can't, it can't be seen on the outside. So we release words of faith and power, and it's, it's a period of time before they realize they don't have any symptoms. They, maybe, they, maybe they have test results, or they've, they've just gone, they've realized that they, their symptoms have left. They have to take it by faith initially, uh, initially understanding that the word of God is working on the inside of them. There's a period of time before they can see it on the outside. What do we mean by taking something by faith? Let me just, let me just clear this up a little bit because it, it, faith gets a bad name sometimes, okay? Faith is simply a trusting confidence in the word of God, in understanding what the word of God says about our situation and letting it be more real to us than our five senses, Romans 8, 6 puts it this way. It says, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. To be carnally minded is death. So if we want to be people that have life going on on the inside of us, that want to live with vitality and energy and passion and purpose and life rather than death, we need to be people that are spiritually minded. And all that means is putting the word of God, placing the word of God uh, above in a, in a higher value in our life than the natural circumstances. We can be spiritually minded. So when we say take something by faith, what we're saying is we're going to put more trust and confidence, more faith in what the Word of God says about our situation than how we feel about it, than what it looks like, than what the doctor's report says. We're going to take it by faith. We're going to place that of that the good report of higher value in our life. And so, you know, sometimes there is, there is a period of time. Now, let me also mention this. God is not in heaven deciding how long that period of time is. The word of God, we can have absolute confidence that the minute we release words of God, it is just as powerful as if God had spoken it himself. God's words spoken through our mouth have as much power as if God had shouted them from the heavens because he's put his spirit on the inside of us. And so we can, we can take it to the bank. We can, have, we can guarantee that our words are having power. But sometimes they're having power, they're having an effect in an area that is not seen to our natural eyes in that moment. So we take it by faith. We take it as being done, even though we cannot see it yet manifest. So let's carry on down here. I'm in Mark 11 still. It says, Peter, calling to remembrance, said to him, Rabbi, I look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. Have trust and confidence. This is a great response. You got a problem? What should the response be? Have faith in God. You got a problem with your finances? What should I do? Have faith in God. You got a problem with your body and your flesh? What should I do? Have faith in God. Amen? This is Jesus' response. He says, For truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, there's a lot of saying here, okay? I've got them underlined. Every time it says say, I've got it highlighted in my Bible. For truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will receive them and you will have them. Oftentimes I think we sow a seed of faith. 
We sow a seed of faith, and then we get a big shovel of unbelief and dig up the seed to see if it's growing, and then we wonder why it doesn't grow. You know, if a farmer sows seeds, we started out this session with the parable of the sower. Okay? If, if every time we were to sow a seed and take a word by faith, and then we were digging it up to see if that seed was growing, it would kill the seed. No, a farmer has to plant seed and leave it there. He has to leave it in the ground, cling to it, is what it says in Luke. We have to cling to it. Now, we can look at this a little bit deeper. This fascinates me because the words that Jesus used when he says says, you know, the, the speaking part of this, there's way more speaking in that passage when we're talking about speaking to our mountain than there is believing. That's because people typically don't have a problem believing, but they have a problem speaking. Because you know what? The devil does not want you to speak the word of God. He knows if you believe it, it's bad enough. But oh my goodness, what would happen if they were to speak the word of God? He knows his days would be numbered. So he tries to do everything he can to distract us, to get our mind away from the word of God, lest we should take it, believe it, and then start speaking it. He knows it would be dangerous to his kingdom. The devil does not want you to speak the word of God over your life. He knows how much power is in it. So look here, Jesus is directly addressing this issue about speaking. He keeps saying, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, whatever he says, will have whatever he says. And therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you will have, receive them and you will have them. There's no doubt there. But look, the, the, this word say is translated differently. And I think it's significant. The first time he says is, for truly I say to you. He's talking about a command. It's the, it's the Greek word, it's epo, E-P-O. It means... To speak as in a commandment. Jesus is saying, speak to the mountain. He's not asking you to. He's telling you to. He knows how powerful those words are. Speak to it. Speak to that mountain. You say, well, I don't have a mountain. I have a cancer. Well, that's like a mountain. I have a debt. Well, that's like a mountain. We can speak to it. Name it and shame it, right, is what I say. And so we need to start speaking to a mountain. It might be a symptom. It might be a pain. You know, when I'm praying for people, I'll speak directly to the problem. I'm not going to ask God to come and move a mountain that he's already told me to move. And so I, I might be praying for somebody that's in pain, and I'd pray like this. In the name of Jesus, I command this pain to leave. I, I command pain to leave this body right now in Jesus' name. Now, you can receive that. I believe there are people watching this, and your pain's going right now. You know, if, if somebody's dealing with, with, with deafness, I put my hand on their ear and I command those ears to open and hearing to return and deafness to leave right now. I speak exactly to the problem, what it is that I want to go and what it is that I want to happen. Because I understand that my words are powerful. And I'm not even saying please. It's a commandment. It's a commandment. The second time he says this, right here in, in Mark 11, uh, 22, 23, he says... It means the word uh, laleo, L-A-L-E-O. It means to speak out, to use your own voice, and to be bold. To speak out, to use your own voice, and to be bold. We can speak the word of God with boldness. You know, this, this will mess with your doctrine a little bit. I remember being one time being on a mission trip in uh, Nicaragua, and there was a little girl there with, a, with stunted growth. She had one leg that was at least three inches shorter than the other one. And I had a group of students with me, and the, the, she was sitting in a chair with her mother next to her, and, uh, and you could tell her, her feet were very, very, her legs were very different lengths. 
And I looked at the student and I looked at, at the little girl and said, now watch carefully, everyone. This little girl's leg is going to grow out. I was bold about the promises of God because I know that God wants that little girl well. I didn't have to ask God. I didn't have to plead with God. I didn't ask him to come and grow her leg out, that if it might somehow be his will, that she'd be well. I know the word of God regarding healing. God wants you to be well. Psalm 107.20 says he sent his word and healed you. He wouldn't send his word and heal you if he didn't want you to be well because he knows how powerful those words are. And so when I, the minute that I spoke those words, they went to action on the inside of that little girl. I hadn't even, I hadn't prayed for her. I didn't ask God to do anything. I hadn't even commanded. I just stated a fact. This is what's going to happen when we, when, we, when, we, when we lay hands on this little girl. And the minute I touched her legs, her legs just went pop and they become perfectly equal. I never actually prayed. I just spoke with boldness the word of God that he planted on the inside of me. I spoke the word of God with boldness according to his will for that little girl's life. And the word of God spoken with boldness out of our mouth, as in a command, is powerful. She's healed today. She jumped off that chair and went off running a plane. Amen? Now, the third time he says the word say is Lego. This is, this is the same word that we get the, the children's toys from, Lego. Lego, play, Lego, Lego sets, the building blocks. And it actually means a systematic set, this school's, the building blocks of life. These are the building blocks of life. This is a set pattern of conversation. Remember we began at the beginning in, in Hebrews 4 and we said we need to hold firmly to our confession. And what is our confession? Our confession is to speak out about our situation, what Jesus is saying about it. What is Jesus saying about your body today? He's calling your body healed. He's calling your body healthy. He's calling your body whole. He's commanding sickness and disease to leave your body. He's commanding the, the power of the enemy to be broken over you and for healing to manifest. Man, when we start doing that, what we're doing is we're holding firmly to our confession and we're saying the same as about our situation that Jesus is saying about it. That's powerful. A systematic set discourse, the building blocks of life. You know, F.F. Bosworth put it this way. He said, your success and usefulness in this world will be measured by your confession and your tenacity to hold fast to that confession. I love that. He says, but will be measured by your confession and, the t- and your tenacity to hold fast to that confession. What is it that we are saying about our situations? What is it that we are speaking out over our children? What is it that we are confessing? Are we just confessing how we feel? Now, this is a slippery slope because people will ask you, well, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? And the temptation is to to start speaking out every symptom that's going on in our body. And that's not really helpful to anybody. That's not really going to bless. You know how you're feeling without it coming out of your mouth. So I would respond like, you know, like this. I'll say, you know what? I'm not really worried about how I'm feeling. I'm more worried about how I'm believing. And I'm believing that healing is manifested in my body. It's manifesting in my body. I'm believing what the word of God says about my, my body and my flesh. I'm not so worried about my feeling as I am about my believing. Because if I get my believing right, my speaking is going to follow 
You know, in 2 Corinthians, it says we believe and therefore we speak. We're not speaking trying to convince ourselves to believe something. We're believing and therefore we're speaking. As we, whatever we're believing for eventually is going to come out of our mouth. And I find this in ministry quite a lot. If I just let people talk enough, I can tell what they're believing just by listening to them. I can read between the lines and find out what's in their heart just by listening to them. Because out of the abundance of the heart, their mouth is speaking. In the same way that we make confession unto salvation, we make confession unto healing. We need to start confessing over our life what they're holding firmly, holding fast to our confession. To say the same as, what is Jesus saying about your body today? He's calling you healed. He's calling you healthy. He's calling you whole. Amen. Amen. That's super powerful. We can start calling those things that be not as though they are. Let's look at this for a minute. In Romans, hopefully you're getting something good out of this. Amen. I like to read the word of God. It's powerful and life-changing. Okay, this is another thing you can use your words for. This is, um, this is the Lord speaking to, um, to Abraham in uh, Romans 4. And we're going to jump into, we're going to jump right here into verse 17. As it is written, the written word of God, I have made you a father of many nations before God, whom he believed and who raises the dead, and calls those things that do not exist as though they did. We can call those things that be not as though they are. Amen. In verse 18, it says, Against all hope, he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body to be dead when he was about 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's room. And he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform it. Man, you know, Abraham and Sarah, they could have looked at their bodies, they could have looked at each other, they could have thought, well, this isn't very likely. We know the word of God that's been spoken to us, but under the circumstances, we're not feeling like spring chickens, we're not really feeling like we're of childbearing age, it's unlikely to happen. They could have placed how they were feeling and what it looked like in the natural way above the report of the Lord, what the, what the word of God that, that had been spoken to them was. God had told Abraham that you're going you're gonna to be the father of many nations and it looked completely impossible. And, you know, if they'd have, if they'd have gotten together and they'd have, they'd have discussed it and they'd have looked at themselves and maybe they'd gone to the next tent and spoke to their neighbours and they would, have thought, they would have found some other people that thought, yeah, that's, that's really unlikely as well. You know, they would have heard all of, the, all of the popular opinion. You know what? We've never had anyone in the past that's had a baby in their 90s. And, you know, you're, you're up there at 100 years old. We've never had anyone that's, had, that's given birth in, in old age before. We know what the Word of God says, but, you know, just under the natural circumstances and by our experience, we've never experienced these things before, we're just going to discount that promise. You know, we might not be 100 years old and expecting to have children, but we do the same things today. Sometimes we'll get a word from God, like he sent his word and healed you, and we'll start talking amongst our friends. And as we're speaking out amongst our friends, well, the words of the other people, what they're saying, and their negative reports, and their unbelief, because words are powerful, are moving us at a heart level. You know, when our daughter Hannah was, she was healed when she was three years old. 
She was miraculously healed. Many of you have heard her testimony. She had an autoimmune disease, couldn't eat anything, couldn't drink anything. She was starving to death. The hospital couldn't help her. They sent her home at three years old to die with a week to live. She was miraculously healed. The first thing that happened when she woke up, she was asleep at the time when we prayed for her, when Andrew prayed for her. And when she, when she woke up, the first thing that we said to Hannah was, while you were sleeping, Jesus healed you. Now, we didn't understand that in that moment. It wasn't like we contrived it. It just came out of our hearts naturally. While you were sleeping, Hannah, the report of the Lord came and he healed you. Now, let me tell you, on the outside, <coughs> Hannah did not look healed. She did not look well. She still looked like she was dying. Her skin was translucent. Her hair had still fallen out. She was, she was very weak. She still, it looked like nothing had changed. But what we were doing in that moment, we were calling them things that be not as though they are. We were declaring with our words, healing over Hannah. While you were sleeping, Jesus healed you. And what happens is, you know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hannah took hold of those words which we spoke in faith. She took hold of those words and in her hearing, she believed them. And she's like, well, awesome, let's go eat then. Let's do something we couldn't do before. You know, this is, this is so important. And I know that some people are really struggling with this, but we need to look at what our confession is. Some of us need to adjust or be conscious of the words that are coming out of our mouth because we're cursing our own body. We're cursing our own body simply by repeating everything that we've heard in the doctor's report. Every, every symptom that speaks to us. You know, pain talks to you. Your body talks to you. It grumbles and it aches and it complains and it speaks to you. And if we start verbalizing and speaking out of our mouth everything that we feel in the flesh, it gives that the flesh that, that, and the disease that power to manifest that, that symptom even more so. We need to take a little heart check some of us now and again and watch the words that are coming out of our mouth. So we said to her, Hannah, while you were sleeping, Jesus healed you. And she, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You know, when we're in a fight for our life, we cannot surround ourselves with negative influences constantly and expect them not to affect us at heart level. You know, I started out this session giving you my example of being with the playground bullies and recognizing that my words were even more powerful and had longer lasting effects than a physical punch or a slap or a kick. We need to understand the power in our words. God, that, that is so powerful. That's how God created the universe. He spoke Jesus into creation through his words. You know, you were spoken into creation. God planned for you since the beginning of time. He planned for you before there was even a world for you to live in. And now he's put his voice, his words, his power in your mouth. Power to speak out life, to speak out death, to, to release faith, to release authority, to rebuke the power of the enemy from working in our body. But he needs our cooperation to do it. You know, the Holy Spirit is not going to come upon us and open our lips and make them move, right? That's our cooperation. He needs our cooperation to speak out, to speak to the mountains that are in our lives. But the power of God in the words that come out of your mouth, man, they're just as powerful as if God had shouted them from the heavens himself. Life and death are in the power of your tongue today. The power to root out and tear down every plan of the enemy that's come against you. 
You know, Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue that is risen against you in judgment, we shall condemn it. So right now, this is what we want, we're going to do. We're gonna, I'm going to pray for you, and we're going to release some power. We're going to release some power by the word of God from our lips today. So I want you to hear this and receive it. But then as you go from this session, I want you to start practicing, speaking out the word of God over your body. Speaking and changing your confession, committing to speaking out only the word of God over your situation. And I believe it's going to have an effect. So right now, in the name of Jesus, we release power. We release power over our brothers and sisters today and everyone that's hearing the sound of my voice. In the mighty name of Jesus, we take authority over all sickness, over all disease, over all infection, over all inflammation, over pain, over cancer, over tumour, over bone disorders, over joint disorders, over blindness, over sickness, over, over, over yeast infections, over deafness over malformations, over congenital defects. Right now, we take authority over those in the name of Jesus and we release the power of God. We release healing into your body, into your flesh, into every organ of your body. Right now, we release that power to flow from the top of your head to the very soles of your feet. We command all sickness, all disease to leave bodies now. Leave bodies now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I hear the Lord saying, there is somebody right now that's been healed in their lungs. You're being healed of respiratory infections right now in Jesus' name. He sent his word and healed you. We believe you, Lord, and we receive it in the name of Jesus. And we call them things that be not as though they are. We call sickness forth in our body that be to be not. We call it into existence right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So any questions? Anything y'all want to talk about on that one? (coughs) Our words are powerful. Mm -hmm. I love the part she said that um, it says that when we speak God's word, it's just as if he sent it from heaven at that moment. Has the same power and authority because he gave it to us. Yeah. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I actually, this is, I, I didn't know that y'all, were, this was going to be on the docket. I've not been through this part of healing school, but I actually did uh, words of the building block of life this past Sunday. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and the Lord was showing me that, you know, I'm a science geek a lot of times, so. but the actual string theory is once the hadron colliders and all them break apart a, a proton-neutron pairs, and you get down to what's left over, it's strings, mm. and they vibrate differently. They're the same, it's mm-hmm. the same building block, but it's a string, and it vibrates for like wood versus steel versus whatever the proton it came out of and it vibrates only to the frequency of whatever it is and you know God in the beginning when he was saying let there be trees and let there be animals and let there be the the materials of the earth and everything else Mm -hmm. his very voice Mm -hmm. the word of God vibrated it into existence through 
So the string theory that they're coming up and showing is that the, the, the very material things of this world and of this universe was created by speaking. Yeah, awesome. It was created by the vibration of God's voice. Wow. Telling, telling that to, to come to pass. Wow. So when we speak the words of God, when yeah. we speak those things, we can even change the vibration, mm -hmm. even in our own selves, mm -hmm. because of the things that people have spoke to us. Mm. That is good. I love that. That's huge. <laughs> and we knew all along. <laughs> the Bible said it all along. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, you may have looked this up, doesn't that word hover... <clears throat> Doesn't that, in one of the definitions, even when you look at the, up the word, I think it even says, I've heard vibration in some of those, some of the words in the first verse, one of the definitions is vibrations. So that's... I haven't looked that up, but it, I wouldn't I'm gonna go it. back. I'm going to go back and look at that, because I was thinking I had heard part of that before, and that that... Somewhere in Genesis, one of the words used was vibration. That's one of the reasons why so it's cool. so important for us to speak is mm -hmm. because when we say something, we're saying it with the same authority that mm -hmm. Jesus spoke. Mm -hmm. And in John chapter 1, I was actually talking about this, that, that he was the word made flesh. Mm -hmm. and that he spoke the very material into existence is mm -hmm. what John chapter 1 says. Mm -hmm. And so... Jesus himself was the word in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so he was the one that spoke everything. So if you need something that is not material to materialize, mm -hmm. the authority of Jesus is there for us to speak mm -hmm. those things so that it can be materialized Create. under his authority. Wow, that's good. So our words are creative too. <laughs> our words are creative as well. Praise God. Mm, that's good. That's good. Anything oh, else? following up on your strain theory, I guess it follows that DNA is also going to obey God's authority. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Absolutely. Amen. That's good. Because, I mean, it happens. Yeah. Miracles. Oh, yeah. Supernatural miracles do happen. Mm -hmm. God said, let there be man, mankind. Yep. And so, whatever he said, he brought into existence DNA, mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. the very building blocks of our life, He can change them. Amen. 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 That's good. Oh, one little comment. I was, mm -hmm. uh, for some reason, uh, the verse, uh, do not conform to this world, mm -hmm. popped in. Because there's so many opportunities to take the bait of doubt or disbelief mm -hmm. or uh, whatever. Uh, the circumstance or people will throw at you. Mm -hmm. Do not conform. Right. Stick to the stick to the word. Amen. Be mm -hmm. transformed. Yeah. By the renewing yeah. of your mind. And it's the it's and it's the word that renews our mind. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. That's what that's what your foundational belief is right. and should be. Yeah. In the word of God. The word, absolutely. Yeah. Always always like you know, I always like to try to say that, you know, Romans 12, uh, 2 and 3 there, where it says that, you know, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, 
which is your reasonable service. Mm -hmm. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you think about, like, this bottle is conforming the liquid, mm -hmm. right? So as we, you know, as we do something in God's Word, it transforms into what we need it to be. Because mm -hmm. we, we transform it. So this liquid that's in here can, it's water, you know, it's liquid now, but it can be gas, it could, we could freeze it, and it could be a, a block of ice, mm -hmm. it could be all kinds of things, right? So, so transforming, you know, just by the, the, the renewing of our mind, it actually changes it into something that is completely different. Mm -hmm. We're no longer just conformed mm -hmm. by the world. Because if I freeze that, and it's a full bottle, it'll blow that it, bottle right, away. Right. It'll expand it. beyond mm -hmm. its borders. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing, is that we can, when we're conformed, we're fit into a box. It's, mm -hmm. whatever, it's whatever the world tells you you are. Mm -hmm. You're poor, you're, you're sick, you're whatever. Well, don't be conformed by the world's mm -hmm. system. Be transformed because God says, well, if the world says that, then you are this. Yeah. You are hell. You mm -hmm. are, yes. your mm -hmm. needs are mm -hmm. supplied. That's good. That's good. God's I, word. I love that verse. Yeah. God's word transforms us. Woo. From the inside out. <laughs> good news. Anything else?